When you walk into a conference center and you register for a show, they have all these signs that say, we're really COVID aware and keep your distance six feet apart. And then you walk in and they make you touch this screen so you can register and get your pass. <laughs> it's just crazy. You're listening to Glenn M. Obersteg, CEO of Hollow Industries, giving us a look at how the touch-free necessity of a pandemic is making Tony Stark's holographic HUDs a reality. Nobody runs around after you and disinfects that screen. So if you take that keypad and put that below the counter and hook up a holographic terminal to it, now you can do everything and register completely in midair. Welcome to The Intelligent Engine, a podcast that lives in the heart of the electronics industry, brought to you by Silicon Expert. Silicon Expert is all about data-driven decisions with a human-driven experience. We mitigate risk and manage compliance from design through sustainment. The knowledge, experience, and thought leadership of the team, partners, and those we interact with every day expose unique aspects of the electronics industry and the product life cycles that live within it. These are the stories that fuel the intelligent engine. Today's spotlight is on Hollow Industries, a company that has stepped straight out of our pop culture's sci-fi imagination. From the iconic scene of Princess Leia's hologram emitting from R2-D2 pleading, help me Obi-Wan Kenobi, to Tony Stark's holographic HUDs, holographs have been a large part of art and entertainment. Now, partly out of necessity, companies like Hollow Industries are turning fantasy into reality. Hollow Industries is the inventor of Holographic Touch, a disruptive technology that combines holographic plates, optics, sensors, and proprietary software and hardware components to create highly responsive mid-air interaction for customers and employees so businesses can thrive during the pandemic. They manufacture products in various sizes and form factors for the consumer, elevator, restaurant, banking, retail, hospitality, gaming, medical, automotive, and aerospace industries. We have Glenn M. Obersteg with us today, CEO of Hollow Industries. He's also a father, renowned public speaker, author of the book The Bach Motif, and yes, he is a fan of science fiction, the Marvel movies, and the Star Wars universe. Glenn, thanks for joining us. Nice to meet you, Eric. I hope you can hear me all right. Where are you? Are you on the West Coast? Yeah, I'm in Cottage Grove, Oregon, which was the uh, site for Animal House. It's the largest covered bridge capital in the United States, west of the Mississippi. How did you wind up out there? Is that where you're from, or did you go to college out there? No, we... We had a ranch out here and we lived in Silicon Valley for years and decided we'd had enough of California about two years ago and moved, uh, moved up here full time. We were the, were the pioneers of leaving California. It's certainly become a, a trend. So how is your entire operation up there in Oregon? Or you- Well, we have uh, the lab and our engineering gets, uh, takes place in Sacramento, mm-hmm. but we have reps. We have reps all over the United States. So it doesn't really matter where we are. It uh, matters where they are. And we have reps all over the world, actually. How did you get into this? Are you an engineer by education or training? You know, I'm a marketing engineer. If you spend enough time in the engineering community, you pick up enough to be dangerous. (laughs) I started out in the... In the early 80s, in the embedded business, I started working with Intel and uh, Motorola and AMD. A lot of the semiconductor companies really needed to have ecosystems for engineers to develop their products. So we put together ecosystems. We went from there in 1989 when the wall came down 
and and the Siemens needed to have all their Eastern European partners come to the U.S. to support Siemens chips and Infineon chips. We put together their ecosystem and then segued to being the key ecosystem provider for ARM. We put together all the ARM catalogs, all the ARM magazines, all of the ARM trade shows, et cetera, for years. And then gradually evolved into working with the products directly. So getting into product development, product sales seemed like a natural thing to do. Here we are. Uh, a couple of years ago, I started working on this project. And this has been really great. It was a wild ride. This started about a year before COVID hit. And then when COVID hit, it went crazy because everybody wants to do something in midair, right? Of course. That's incredible timing. I didn't realize that you had really just gotten it off the ground before then. So we started 18 months ago. And I guess you could say that COVID had started, but it, nobody had really realized how uh, awful it was going to be or how, how drastic it was going to be. And how long it would last. And, and, who and how, long it would be... la- how long it would hang on or yeah. how long people would would keep it in the forefront. We'll see. There will always be some sort of a plague hitting this uh, world. Yeah, I think that's one of the lessons we've been learning over the last year and a half or so is that we are looking for touchless solutions beyond just this pandemic. To me, it seems to be working quite well. We've got quite a few customers in a kiosk and a registration business that want to keep it so that there's a lot of reasons, irrespective of the fact it is contactless and it is germ-free. Um, it's also an exciting new technology. It's like, how long could the world wait before we got Tom Cruise and the Minority Report out in front? I think the holographic touch or being able to interact in midair is a, I don't want to say sexy, but I could say sexy new medium. Yeah. And I think people are going to grab that. We're getting people from all walks of life and people from all industries, parking meters, supermarkets, ATMs, and that sort of thing. So are you, like I and many of our listeners, a science fiction nerd? Yeah, I am. As a matter of fact, you can't think about uh, holographs without uh, remembering uh Princess Leah and helped me Obi-Wan Kenobi. That was the first time uh, everybody in our generation, at yeah. least, or my generation, got exposed to the beauty of holographs. Did you seek inspiration from these films? What was the original germ of, of an idea that got you going down this path? Well, what happened was we started working with a Swedish company, Neonode, that does infrared uh, sensors, and they put a light curtain out that you can interact with. It's, it's normally right off the surface of a touchscreen, for instance. And then we started working with them because there was a real need for that sort of technology. And we were introduced about six months later, fortuitously, to a Japanese company, uh, Aska 3D, that has this marvelous 3D holographic glass and plastic plate. If you combine the two technologies, you have holographic touch. <laughs> and it seemed like such a no-brainer. We picked up on it and started developing technology, and it uh, took off like wildfire. For our listeners who aren't familiar with the, the term light curtain, can you describe a little bit about what that is and how that functions? If you have a series of diodes that generate a infrared beam and you put them all together in, in a series— and you could have basically you could have a curtain that goes. Let's say you have a let's say you have a one foot wide module. You could actually have a one foot long, and each one of these specific pixels generate an infrared beam anywhere you touch 
in that beam or in that series of beams, you'll get an XY coordinate. So you could put a keyboard there or you could put it against the wall and you could put a, a piano key or something. Mm. And every time you touch in a certain area, it'll register that area. So if you take that and you extrapolate that and you put that in midair in front of a holograph, then you can interact with anything. You can raise and lower, or you can swipe, you can swirl, you can touch, you can pinch and enlarge. Anything you could do on a touch screen, you can now do in midair. That, so with the light curtain technology, it sounds like before you all came along, that was being used essentially just in front of a normal display surface or something. And, and what you did was bring in the holographic technology, marry those two and, and allow that interactivity. Exactly. We brought it out. We brought it away from the surface mm-hmm. so that now what you have is you have a complete midair interaction. So generally you were working about five or six inches away from any surface. And does the projection service, just how this functions, I'm so curious about, is the, the projection surface the size of the, the holograph with which you interact, or is there a difference in scale there? The surface, the image that you generate in a holograph uh, is based on the size of the holographic plate. So you can start at uh, three or four inches, and you could do a doorbell, holographic doorbell. You could work your way up to five or six inches and do a complete holographic keypad for entry into a residence. Then you get up to 200 millimeters, eight inches, and you could talk about doing a restaurant menu. And then we can talk about doing an ATM. Uh, We go all the way up to 310, 420, 630, and now we're looking at 840 and 1,000 millimeters. So we're talking about four by four foot screen. So if you can imagine walking into a mall and having a four by four foot holographic mall map that you could touch, Jay's Jewelers, for instance, that could pop up and you could do exactly what you wanted. You could swipe, you could enlarge it, you could see content. It all can be done in midair. So you never have to clean the screen because nobody touches it. And now this is only for still images. We do video as well. We're working with a major banking customer that wants to have these installed in banks. So when you walk up to the counter where you usually uh, write your checks out, uh, a holograph could pop up and say, hi, this is Eric. And would you like to be a MasterCard customer? It's hard to imagine a limit for this technology. You think how ubiquitous standard touchscreens have become in yes. the last decade or so. And it seems like this would be a superior replacement for nearly every case that you would have a regular touchscreen or a, a, a more traditional keypad. Exactly. What's great about this is that we've designed it two different ways. We've designed it so that we can actually capture a program. So if you have a specific program that you want to repeat on and on and you want this to be a self-standing unit, we can program it so you can do a menu, for instance, that never changes. Or you can take the unit and plug it into your laptop or into a terminal using an HDMI and, and or a USB. And whatever's on that terminal can become a holograph. When you're registering in a hotel, if you had a terminal where you actually could register, if you plugged into this unit, that terminal would become holographic. Wow. I'll give you another example. When you walk into a conference center, and you register for a show. 
they have all these signs that say we're really COVID aware and keep your distance mm-hmm. six feet apart. And then you walk in and they make you touch these screens because you can register <laughs> and get your pass. Just crazy. I and mean, nobody runs around after you and, clean and disinfects that screen. Right. So that's the, the idiocy of the whole thing. If you take that touch screen and you put that in the keypad and put that below the counter and hook up a holographic terminal to it, now you can do everything and register completely in midair. Germs, no touch, no foul. Not only that, you can actually sign in midair. So we've got a lot of people that want to be able to sign uh, books and that sort of thing. And you can do that in midair. For our listeners who have not yet been to your website, I'd recommend checking it out just to see this in action because it's just straight out of sci-fi. In fact, if you don't want to go to the website, just re-watch Minority Report because that's basically yeah. what we're talking about here. That's exactly right. Or any Iron Man episode. Right. Any Iron Man episode would be just fine too. Yeah. And the website is, uh, it's Hollow Industries, but we abbreviated it to Hollow End, I-N-D, mm-hmm. uh, dot com. And so we have, we have a lot of uh, videos online. Um, we have a couple of presentations. So when you're developing something, let's say the bank interface that you were describing, are you working with a client to develop a, a wholly new bespoke solution? Or do you have product development teams that are just developing things to sell to those customers? We're, we're, we're working with a major, I, I can't tell you the name, obviously, because we're under NDA, but sure. it's a major credit card company. And we're creating the hardware that can fit into ATMs and kiosks. And we're working with their software provider that does the back end. And that's important too, because there are a lot of security concerns with anything you do. And so we're working with the software companies that these companies are allied with. Once that's developed, then this would be anybody's game. A large ATM manufacturer can pick this up and run with it. The important thing is to get a sponsor that believes in you, and we have a number of them, and then to create the, the package and then let the, let the hardware manufacturers, the OEMs that do the kiosks, the ATMs and that sort of thing, the mall maps, parking garage meters, and all of those different manufacturers will pick up on it. I love that model of development where you're already working with the client's set of needs right from the get-go so you you don't have to retrofit something that you've developed in isolation and then try to figure out how to get all their regulatory compliance things in order and all that kind of thing. You're right. I mean, it does simplify things. We've created over 75 prototypes and demos that are out in the field right now. And each one is bespoke or custom, if you will, to the customer's needs. We, we expect to be able to get into manufacturing by Q2 of next year. It is really exciting. This was the perfect storm. I don't want it to be able to benefit from something like COVID, but at the same time, everybody's become very aware of the fact that number one, they don't want to have to touch the supermarket checkout counter. Yeah. They don't want to have to to touch an elevator key. We have them for elevators now as well. You can actually walk in and uh, touch uh, the floor you want in midair. Those sorts of things are going to be very uh, important in the future. That benefits everybody. And if it took a pandemic to make us aware of these things and to get us thinking about all the alternatives that have come up in, in the last couple of years to traditional tactile interfaces, 
I, for one, thought the QR code was dead two years ago. I, I didn't think that we'd see QR codes making a comeback, and yet they're ubiquitous now on practically every restaurant table. But they're a little clunky, right? You know, the thing about the QR codes, uh, and I know that a lot of companies are getting into it, and, I, and we all appreciate the fact that they're doing that, and we can actually use our cell phones. I think the biggest problem is some of the security. In other words, there's nothing to stop somebody from throwing a fake menu down on a table with right. a fake QR code and having you scan it and open up your complete system yeah. to a stranger. So those sorts of security concerns were really a big deal. The thing is that that you, you do have to have service. I don't know about you, but I'm always running low on battery. I have no idea totally. why my <laughs> cell phone runs out so quickly, but it does. And it's frustrating. However, I, I don't know that this is a remedy for everything, the holographic touch. I think that combinations of different types of, of preventative measures like QR codes are great. Uh, antibacterial screens are great. Things like that that, would be, that we're inventing. We're a country of inventors. And America's always been a country that rallies up technology to fit a problem. And we really come a long way in the last year being able to come up with solutions. I think that holographic touch is one solution. There are others out there that are you know, equally good or for different situations. Holographic touch is more expensive than an antimicrobial screen by sure. far. It's more expensive than printing out a QR code. But I think that there's a place for it, and not only in uh, disease prevention, but in just in an, as an exciting new technology. And as of the time that we're recording this, not only are we in the midst of a pandemic, but we're also knocking on the door of, of deep winter. And I think about all the, the complications that arise in the colder months of the year when we're trying to interact with a touchscreen wearing gloves or with yes. very cold fingers. I assume that the holographic touch would work equally well in gloved hands or with a stylus yes. or with anything really, right? Yeah, it's great. Uh, you can use a chopstick or you can use your finger. It, it, it's really good with work gloves on. Uh, if you are if you like to fish and you're out and you're fishing, you always wear gloves. If you play golf, you're wearing a glove. Mm -hmm. This is the sort of thing. It's this equally reactive. There's zero latency on it. It's equally reactive to anything. I think if you're wearing mittens, it would get a little tougher. <laughs> but if you're wearing a glove, a work glove, it's perfect for industrial. It's perfect for military because they wear those thick gloves out mm -hmm. in the field. I'll tell you what's really funny about it is, is we've had it outside and uh, it snows or it rains and the raindrops fall right through it. Oh, wow. See, so it doesn't, there's no snow buildup in the holograph because it, the snowflakes fall right through the holograph. Oh, okay. That, that's everyone who's listening uh, from here in Colorado's ears just perked up. Yeah, there you go. That's perfect. Good. Yeah, let's try it in Aspen. Let's try it in Aspen uh, next year. I hereby volunteer to test that out. Yeah, and the other thing that's really cool about it is that we're working with a train manufacturer that wants to put the, the train maps and show your progress along a route. And they want to be able to use the holograph, which is great because you don't have to worry about a, a surface. You can suspend the holograph from the ceiling of the car and, and it'll display the route and the progress of the route. You can actually walk up and touch it and uh, figure out where, how long it's going to take you to get to the next city. Wow. But what's great about it is that it doesn't get in your way, which means you can actually walk mm. through the holograph. Yeah. Sounds bizarre, doesn't it? It does. It Again, it just conjures images of so many great sci-fi yeah. movies and books. It's, and it's real. What I want to stress is there's no special glasses or smoke like Pepper's Ghost mm. or something like that from the early days of holography. 
There are no special glasses, like I said, or lighting that you need to have. This works anywhere. This works. Uh, we've made it ultra bright because we need to have it work in an elevator. So it's ultra bright. It's almost 2000 nit. Most of your iPhones are what, 400 or something. Mm -hmm. So it's ultra bright. It's beautiful in the daylight. And it works great at night. What's the projection limitation as your plate grows bigger? Does that influence at all how far from the plate you can project? Or is that always capped to that distance you mentioned earlier? You can get further from that, probably a foot, maybe two feet. I've seen it out there that far. We're working with television manufacturers now that want to be able to do holographic TV. And obviously you need to have it away from a surface. The infrared touch gets a little more difficult when you move that far out mm. because we're talking about infrared beam that can disappear into into infinity and, be, and beyond. <laughs> <laughs> wow, holographic TV. And when you talk about the not needing to have glasses that's got to be what killed 3d television we saw these things right. at the market a few years ago the prices went down through the floor they were super affordable but nobody uses them because nobody wants to put on those glasses and and this really gets away from that issue it, it does it's this is not full three-dimensional holographic mm -hmm. this is like i said this is a single dimension where it's out there in front of you yeah. And there are other technologies that do this. So there's camera technologies. They're a lot more cumbersome and a lot mm -hmm. harder to integrate into things like, I don't know, like ATMs and that sort of thing. For entertainment purposes, I think that the camera technology, like Intel RealSense, those technologies are great for larger applications. Mm. But I think that when you get into things like a supermarket checkout or an entry system in a building, we're working on a doorbell now called Holo, which is a holographic doorbell. And that really works really well for us if we use just the small sensors and things like time of flight to, to recognize when people are approaching the building so that it can actually turn the holograph on so you don't have a Holo running full time. We've talked a lot about how incredibly relevant this has become due to the pandemic and just due to people's heightened awareness of germs and touching contaminated surfaces. But I'd love to hear a little bit about other applications where this is being used or, or could be used besides the health aspect of just making a, a touchless surface. We're working with registration screens. I'll give you some examples. When you walk in, you want to find your doctor. It's a holograph so that you can touch the holograph and find your doctor without touching a screen. Hotels are really big. and Automated hotels. In Europe, there's a lot of hotels that aren't even manned that you can walk in and it gives you your key and everything else. And then you go to your room and there's nobody there. There's nobody in the main lobby. We're working in the Netherlands with a, a series of libraries because mm. they want their customers to be able to come in and, and check out books using a holographic touch as opposed to touching the screen. Parking is really big. We've got four or five customers that want to do this with the, the parking terminals. Mm. Banking is huge for us. And uh, elevators. We're, we're working with... Uh, four of the five biggest elevator companies now to do holographic elevators. We're really careful. We run the holographic button series 
next to the real analog touch buttons that you have. And one of the reasons is because we want to be ADA compliant. The blind mm. need to have the Braille. We're working with a system now that, that raises and lowers the holograph. So we'll have a, a camera that will figure out exactly how tall you are, where your eyes are. And it will raise and lower the holograph wow. so that it's easy to visualize. Are there limitations in terms of the angle of viewing? Do you have to be standing directly in front of it at a certain yes. distance? Mm -hmm. Yes. That makes That's sense. The biggest limitation is you have to stand in front of it. And you can't see it from the side. If you look at some of the videos on our website, you'll see we turn the camera to the side and it looks like you're just touching midair. Before people got used to you know, hands-free cell phones, it looked like there were some really stupid people driving down the street <laughs> talking to themselves. This is what it looks like when you're people just touching midair. <laughs> <laughs> it looks like it's looks like you're emphatically talking to yourself. When you talk about banking applications, particularly, it seems yes. like that limited viewing angle it could actually be a, a great benefit in terms of security. So nobody can observe your pin if they're standing next to you, things like that. Exactly. And this is one of the real benefits for this sort of thing. Forget the fact that it's COVID free. It's actually really secure because yeah. you can't see anything from the side. You almost have to have your head resting on the guy's shoulders in order to figure out what they're doing. Yeah, and certainly harder for scammers to install a credit card skimmer that uses this technology. Good luck yeah. with that. We'll find out how it's secure. We're working with a French software company and a major credit card company, and we'll have a, a completely operable system before Christmas. We're actually going to be showing this at CES. We have a large booth at CES. We're going to have... Uh, all the different models on display. And we're actually going to have a gaming. So that's one thing we didn't talk about earlier. And that is we're going to have a large two by two foot holographic game running. And you can actually sit down or stand and interact with the game in midair. Wow. Tell me more about that. Are you developing the game in-house or working with a, a game no. developer on this? We're working with some game providers. We want to get something that people can do uh, very quickly. You know, some of these war games, you've really got to get involved in. Yeah. It'll be a game that you can start and finish in a minute. Uh -huh. But what's cool about it is you can do anything with this game. You can do it at touchscreen. You can swipe. Mm -hmm. You can uh, scroll. It's very good. As a matter of fact, I think I have a video of a Mandalorian helmet being spinned around on Hollow Industries. I, I think about all the innovations that gaming has driven, particularly uh, in terms of AR and VR, you know, headsets and kinetic systems. When you get gamers interested in a technology, things start to move very quickly. Absolutely, because then the innovation really kicks in because that's where all the smart guys are. Yep. I mean, <laughs> let's just say that's where all the smart kids are. Those guys are really young and they've got it down. The new gaming that's out there is insane. It's just so good. It really is. Do you yeah. now or do you have any plans to to release a, a developer's kit so that people can start playing around with this on their own? Yes. All you really have to do is get the hardware because the hardware, is, think of this as a mouse. The hardware hooks up to your laptop. So if you have a game that you're developing in your laptop that's a touch game and you plug an HDMI and a USB into your uh, laptop, you've got the same game and the same capabilities. Wow. Yeah, and that's how easy it is. If you have a platform on your laptop or on your touchscreen that works, and then you plug this holograph again, it'll go through the plate into the sensor and out into the in midair, and you're going to have a holographic touch. 
And is that something that's available now for consumers? Right now. Wow. Right now. Neat. We've just, we're, we're backed up. Uh, if you, if your listeners want one, we're about 90 days now. We're like getting a refrigerator. It takes a while. Hey, but 90 days these days is not so bad. Have the supply chain disruptions that have occurred over the last year and a half or so affected your production capabilities? To a certain extent. So the good news is that displays and that sort of thing from China are inexpensive. The bad news is we let all of our display business go to China. I'm sure that there's an awful lot of displays sitting off the coast of uh, Los Angeles. But hopefully that situation will improve. The business has to continue. Commerce has to continue. Yeah. They'll find a way. Yeah. Are you thinking of any educational applications Oh, I think there's plenty of those. Yeah. I, I really do. We're working with museums. There's nothing cooler than a holographic uh, Triantosaurus Rex. Exactly. That's <laughs> I'm imagining my five-year-old really losing his mind over a holographic T-Rex. I, I, it's funny because I think your five-year-old will lose his mind for about two hours, and then it'll go from state-of-the-art to commonplace very quickly. Absolutely. You know? None of your kids remember when we didn't have cell phones. We'll all so. be taking this for granted soon enough. Exactly. It'll be a commodity before long. And, and that's okay, too. I think that we're going to have a lot of invitations coming in. We're going to have a lot of competition coming up in the next couple of years. Yeah. We welcome that. That means that we've gone from a, a pioneering effort to becoming a mainstream. And we're running a panel discussion at the uh, Self-Service Innovation Show in Florida in the middle of December. It might be a good uh, time for some of your listeners to tune into that mm. because we're going to have a panel of banks, uh, credit card, restaurant, and hotel people in the panel talking about this new innovative technology. We field inquiries, uh, maybe half a dozen inquiries a day. I can see why. They're from all industries, parking, supermarkets, restaurants, that's cafes, elevators, uh, residences. You know, I got a call from a, from, a, from a train manufacturer and I said, oh, well, what do you want to do? You want to do a map? Do you want to do a route? Do you want to do, what would you like to do? A restaurant menu for your dining car? What would you like? They said, our biggest problem is, that, is the uh, lavatories. I said, okay. And they said, what we would really like to do is to have you do the holographic flush. So I said, hell. Sure, we can do that. It's really pretty cool. I mean, you think about it, and that's the worst thing you could do is to <laughs> so we're actually creating this uh, this holographic image of a of a commode that that just swirls around when you touch it. When you imagine, if, if a nurse comes in, first thing she has to do is put gloves on. When she walks in, she opens it. She walks in, she adjusts your bed. She walks out and she throws the gloves away. She does that 400 times a day easily. So what we're looking at is holographic entry systems, which you just walk up and put your hand on the holograph and the door will open. Yeah. And then the same thing with the bed. If you have a hollow on the bed, you can wave your hand over the bed rail and it'll raise and lower the bed. When you describe how simple it is to transmit a new interface to the same device, especially... Imagining in a, a bedside application in a hospital where you may have one screen that just adjusts the bed. You may have another screen that allows the, the nurse to, to look at the patient's vitals and another screen that lets yes. the, the patient interact with things. And it's just still one piece of hardware. That right. flexibility is so powerful. 
Exactly. You can change screens just by waving your hand. And that's what's important about things like menus. You think about a menu, you got a menu that's going to have 30 items, 40 items mm -hmm. on it. You couldn't put 40 items on one screen. Sure. What you could do is you could scroll through through the menu. You can change the screens dynamically just by changing the touch screen that it's attaching to. And that touch yeah. screen is connected to the back of house where they actually do inventory and in the, in the kitchen. Are you involved in the in the manufacturing or just even selling from third parties the larger device, let's say a kiosk or a, or, or another a physical form factor beyond the plate itself? What we're producing is a module that actually will slip into any form factor from 100 millimeters. And we can actually go smaller, 50 millimeters up to 1,000. Somebody can actually buy this rack and just slip it into a kiosk or slip it into a car dashboard or slip it into a television uh, you know, chassis. Thanks so much, Glenn. Really appreciate it. Oh, absolutely. It's been a real pleasure. I'd like to thank our audience for tuning in and thank Hollow Industries for sponsoring this episode of the Silicon Expert Intelligent Engine. Tune into new episodes that will delve into more of the electronics industry. Upcoming topics will include an examination of the ever-expanding reach of Edge AI and a peek at water coolers that fill their tank from the air around them. Be sure to share our podcast with your colleagues and friends. You can also sign up to be on our email list to receive updates and the opportunity to provide your input on future topics. Go to siliconexpert.com slash podcast to sign up. Until next time, keep the data flowing. <laughs>